Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Working Better Together. I'm really excited we had a good discussion with Jane Gaza, who is the organizational designer at Nobel. Um, they're situated in LA and New York, and she helps leading organizations and teams sync up um, their culture and strategy. So Nobel is, is a well-known culture chain expert. They've done incredible work for Kelvin Klein, Taco Bell, Reddit, and loads more. So check out their website. Um, but yeah, let's get going with the show. So thanks, Jane, for joining us on the, um, the Working Better Together uh, podcast. Really excited to have you on the show today. So yeah, I mean, I mean, can you just touch base to find out more just about yourself and how you got into Noble and, and your background? Sure. I'm very happy to be here. Excited to chat today. So um, my background is actually in HR. I did HR for almost eight years and I worked in HR culture and strategy. Um, which basically means I started at an organization where I started in a very traditional HR role and like a lot of data entry and um, recruiting, onboarding, all that good stuff. And um, over time, my role grew and there's a lot of turnover in our HR leadership. And so my role really expanded to help direct the, the work of the team and figure out how to go from a very like reactive whack-a-mole kind of style of work which is often how HR people feel to a more like proactive um, defining our strategy first and then kind of lining up all of our the services that know about that uh, HR people offer like recruiting and onboarding etc and lining those up under one larger strategy. Um, so then how I joined Nobel is I, I got interested in doing consulting. I wanted, I'd been at the same organization for quite a while and wanted to see what it was like to work with other organizations and other cultures and other environments. And that got me interested in consulting. And then Nobel happened to have an opening in LA where I was moving to. And so it all kind of worked out. I've been here for about two years and I'm now the, um, I'm the managing director of our LA team here. Oh, brilliant. I mean, it's quite interesting that you mentioned that um, you've gone from a, you know, from HR role into pretty much an organizational designer and you almost comparing the difference from reactive to, to proactive. Do you think like culture's got a part to play in that, you know, in being proactive with the company? Definitely. I mean, I think, um, and we, we talk a lot about subcultures at Nobel. So we HR might have one culture, engineering, marketing, et cetera, might have a completely different one. I think there's a long standing culture in HR that you are there to answer the problems that walk into your door, right? Like anything that comes up, you're there to respond to, to contain, to make sure it doesn't turn into a fire drill. Um, and that ends up being a very reactive day. I mean, you, you actually can't plan what's happening in the next eight hours. You just kind of yeah. have to figure it out as you go. Tends to teach HR people a lot of good um, thinking on your feet skills, but it also is a bit exhausting. It lowers your resilience. It doesn't let you plan ahead for all the many exciting things you would like to do for your employees. And it, it you know, keeps you in the same cycle. Yeah. You know, it's quite often we find that uh, we interact a lot with, with people in the HR role and more often than not, they're just really, really busy. And it's quite, most of the time it's just reactive. You know, they're literally operating on fires. And what we've often seen is that the moment they get they change that um, from that reactive to that proactive state, it just affects everything. You know? And actually it's like, it's, it's sorts out their lives you know so it's a it's an interesting thing do you think that 
do you think that like culture can be changed within an organization or even like a or, or even like a sub organization yeah so i didn't really talk about what nobel does um but nobel is an organizational design consultancy that helps change culture so we definitely do believe that culture can, can be changed um but it's a process uh, time is an ingredient of it it's not an immediate um flip of the switch you know um just like most things right it takes the time and the effort and the attention in order for things to actually happen but um absolutely i do think it can be changed i think it's we try to think about it less as like a change like an end state and more like a how do you evolve certain parts of your culture like how you make decisions how you meet with each other how you treat each other that kind of thing yeah and and why do you think it's such an important thing to change so it depends. I mean, we work with organizations. There's a couple of reasons. I think one is like the very obvious. We have a toxic culture. Uh, we have a culture in which people are like rolling their eyes at each other in meetings. And that's just not the way that most people want to work. It doesn't feel good. Um, it's not like exciting creatively. You know, there's a lot of reasons why you would want to get rid of the toxic culture. And, and that is one like very concrete reason we make change. But often the companies we're working with aren't like in a state of trouble. So it's not like they just went through some um, big ordeal and they need to change their toxicity. It's usually something more like we're, you know, about to scale from 100 people to like 500 people. We need to figure out how to scale this like very precious culture that we really enjoy. Mm. One version. Another version is like we have a new leader and that new leader has a new vision for how we might work together. We need to figure out how to adapt to that new vision and take us from one of the clients that we often work with is like, I want to go from 1990 to like 2008. I don't even need like 2019. <laughs> just can't seem to like close to current, right? So yeah. it's like, how do you um, change how you work to kind of catch up with the existing things that are happening in the environment outside of your organization? Um, might be like a new product. It, it can be a whole slew of reasons. Yeah. I think often when we say culture change, when I like, tell people what I do they're like oh so you work with people who are like really struggling but that's not always the case I think it's okay to to want to evolve without necessarily coming at this like very toxic point yeah and do you find that um I mean when you go in and instill this change in the company uh, does it start with the leadership or and work its way down or do you go bottom up if you start with the employees yeah, good question. So we work with a diagonal slice of the organization, meaning we we work with definitely leadership, but also middle managers and frontline employees for a few reasons. For one um, one concrete reason that we work with the frontlines is like they're closest to the customer often. You know, the higher you get into leadership, the further you are away from the people who are actually touching your product a lot of the time, and they have some of the best insights for how to best touch that customer and also they're like in the work so they can understand what isn't isn't working about the culture and how it affects the way that they work together um the middle managers are the ones who have like the biggest line of sight to an organization because they are both dealing with the people above them and helping direct the people below them and so we help them um engage in changing culture and really become champions of that work and thinking of new ways of working with us um and then leadership like you mentioned is like as much as we want to work with a diagonal slice of an organization, the leadership obviously plays a very weighted part of can change happen or not, because it's very easy for the, you know, all sorts of employees to get excited about change, but 
leadership could come in the next morning and say, actually, we're not going to do that thing anymore. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> and that would work very well. And then you um, waste the a lot of time. What's that? And then you've wasted a lot of time and everyone's, you know. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it's important for us. We often say we're, we're working with leaders who are um, compassionate and ambitious in equal measure. And it's important for us that when we start relationships with clients, the leaders themselves know like change happening around me probably means that I'm going to have to change at some level or another. Yeah. And um, tell me, and we've seen quite a bit of a trend towards companies, you know, like um, after they've gone through this process, almost setting up like culture teams with an organization you know, to kind of carry this through. Do you suggest or advise those teams? And in, in, if that is the case, like who do you think should be in the team? Hmm, that's a great question. So I think that, so there's a few versions of this. I've seen like a few culture committees. Yeah. Um, and then I've seen like things around task forces around change. I think when we think of culture committees, if that's like an organ, the, a group that's meeting, you know, every month and they're talking about culture initiatives, which might be like social events or it might be things like mentorship that are like more professional development events. Yeah. I, love the intention behind them but sometimes i worry that it puts the weight of designing a good culture on 10 people's shoulders rather than everyone having it be everyone's responsibility so wow. i think that's like the only danger zone is worrying like making sure that you're not bucketing culture into this one place that's part of a couple people's job descriptions and not everybody else's because ideally it should be this like shared responsibility across the company um that said i do think that there's a lot of power in creating a task force or committee that is listening to what employees are saying and helping connect those conversations to what's happening in the leadership conversation so that there's a, a lot of through line between the two because otherwise there's a lot of siloing between you know the higher ranks and the the larger staff right oh, and incredible. so i think there's a lot of power yeah that's, that's, um that's yeah so i mean, think that oh, sorry sorry jumping i see what you mean it's almost like you need parts of the organization that have the correct line of sight, but that's dispersed enough that, that, that the rest of the organization can make sense of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think it's important for that line of sight. And to your point, like who should be in those? I, these, this is one of those things that is most successful when you're not legislating it. So when you're not saying, I'm requiring one, you know, one manager from every department must be in this group, um, I think look for people who are excited about it and tap yeah. into those people because they'll get you much further than the people that you're kind of forcing into this role. That's incredible. I, tell me, I mean, there's all this, uh, I mean, obviously the biggest, this, the biggest training topic right now is culture within organizations. Okay. And um, you guys obviously work quite closely with organizations and, and this obviously takes maybe a few weeks or a few months. Have you seen, you know, we often see like, the execs and the CEOs go question culture and they go, but how does this affect my company financially? You know, how uh, does it affect my turnover, my profits, my efficiency, my productivity? Have you got any great like uh, case studies or, or feedback from clients of how this change and this, this change of culture has actually affected their company on a positive level? Yeah, absolutely. So, Looking at it really practically, there was a study that was done. I'll track it down for you so that you can share it with your listeners. But there's a study that was done where they basically did like 
kind of like I did this in high school. I don't know if you did this maybe in at some point in your education too, but you choose a bunch of companies, you pretend to invest in them, and then you see how they do over time, right? Yeah. Um, this study actually looks for companies that are investing in their culture, and they looked at that set of companies over time against companies that weren't investing in their culture to see which one was more successful in their profits. And there was a much larger success rate on companies that were investing in culture in some form or another. Um, oh, that's incredible. Which I found really fascinating. And it's a very like practical example of what happens when you invest in culture. Um, but for the, the kind of wider question that you asked, like how does this help me? Um, it's a, there's a whole slew of things. Usually we come in with the business question first. We don't just come in and say like, we're gonna improve your culture because it does feel squishy and everyone has a different definition of what culture means, right? Mm -hmm. And it starts to get a little bit lost in translation when we come in to do something like that. Our goal is to more come in and say, what are you struggling with? Is it decision-making? If so, ultimately like your culture is the way that you get work done. So literally everything falls into that bucket. Yeah. Um, so whether it's decision-making or silos or innovation, it doesn't really matter. We'll start there and then we'll try to improve upon whatever the, the struggle that you're having at the moment. So That's I think to your question, the designing culture and um, thoughtfully designing it can help work around the problems that you're seeing and how work is done, basically. That's incredible. Well, thanks a lot, Jane, for, this, for coming on today's uh, show. I just want to wrap up with a few questions. So tell me, um, how, what are, you, are you an early bird or a night owl? How do you get work done? Yeah, fun. Uh, I'm an early bird, definitely. I'm in New York right now, which means like I'm an extra early bird, and I don't know if I'm quite there, because I'm normally in California, so I'm about three hours ahead right now. Okay. Um, so I'm adjusting to this version of early bird, but normally, yeah, love love a morning, love a good coffee, and, and getting some work done before everyone else is awake. Yeah, myself, myself. And then any recent reading material or podcast that you listen to lately? Ooh, good question. See, I listen to so many podcasts, but my mind is going blank right now. Um, one, I I really enjoy Adam Grant and basically everything he writes about yeah, culture and organizations. Um, so I love his podcasts. I yeah. find those conversations really interesting. Did you listen to the one um, when he did the debate with Malcolm Gladwell? Yes, I thought that was so fascinating. Was so A good, great listen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely recommend. In terms of reading, I just read this book called, uh, I believe it's called Navigating the Corporate Hairball. I highly recommend it because I think it's just a fun, you know, business books are often kind of dry. It's like a textbook. Um, this book was written by someone who worked at Hallmark for about 40 years as an artist. Wow. And it was about his experience trying to be part of the corporate world, but also not really. You can be an artist, you have to be creative, you have to like kind of spend some time on your own. There's a whole slew of reasons why it doesn't always fit into the like cubicle culture. And so the book is written by him from his experience, um, very firsthand. But also the the fun piece of it is a lot of his doodles are throughout the book, which makes it just, like, oh, fun. Oh, incredible. Oh, well, yeah. definitely book, book that I want to add it to my Goodreads list, and but I would definitely put it in the, in the show notes as well. And then any productivity cool. tool that you're using on a daily basis? Ooh, I love these questions. Um, let's see. Uh, well, I use Feedly. It's probably, I read a lot, and I honestly, I don't know if it's the best solution, but um, it's the one that I've found, and it's just, I still use RSS feeds. I direct them all to Feedly, and I get through all my reading that way. 
yeah. Um, so I don't know where I'd be without Feedly. My email box would be packed with subscriptions. Yeah, I'm a big po uh, Pocket fan. So I constantly, because I can't read mm. and get stuff done during the day. But yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that's it. Thanks a lot for joining us on the show. How can the listeners uh, reach out to you and, and, and contact you directly? Yeah, so please feel free to contact me. I, I think whether you're working in HR or interested about culture or organizational design, I'm always happy to chat with people. I especially love talking to people who are early in their career and have questions. So hit me up. Um, I'm at jane.garza at nobl.io. Um, and I think, yeah, I briefly talked about Nobel, but basically we're an organizational design consultancy. So if you're looking for any of the things we just talked about, that are decision making, fewer silos, any of that stuff, you can find us at nobl.io. Cool. Thanks a lot. Well, give us a high five. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, high five.